0: Politics without the soap opera with unfiltered constitutional conservative truth. The Conservative Review with Daniel Horowitz. And
1: welcome back, fellow American Patriots and Minimans standing at the ready to fight anew for our life, our liberty, and our property here at CR Podcast. This is your host, Daniel Horowitz, back here to close out the week on Friday. And, folks, in order to fight for liberty, you have to know where the the puck is skating towards, not where it's been. I will tell you, I've never felt this isolated before um, in this conservative media business. I don't even know how to relate to anyone anymore. I'm like Jeremiah walking around in the ruins, and everyone's sitting and partying. Could you find anyone who's on message it, focus, focusing on the issue that matters and the way it matters at the time it matters? It's always yesterday's issue. It's always something else. It's always like, look at the Democrats. They're getting crushed. Or look what the B- Biden's doing with inflation. And literally, as the ball is on the field, your team is scoring points for the other team. So it's like you have a pregame show for the Super Bowl and you're doing the interviews, you're going through the stadium, gauging the crowd, the food, the cheerleaders. And then when the ball actually gets on the field and the play calls are made, the opposite of everything you're saying is happening. So we're gonna, we're gonna discuss this in a, in a few spheres, but the point is what we should be doing as a movement is going through all of the most important issues that matter already and what could we do about them. Everything we see coming down the pipeline and how do we fortify ourselves against it? Okay, that's what we should be doing. We should be preparing on the medical side, on the food side, on the energy side. And on the political sanctuary side, the legislative side, what is it we want to do? What is it we need to do? Because if we don't fight back while we still can, guess what? We won't have that opportunity. The forces of tyranny, that team on the playing field, they have broken the final tackle. And we're just sitting and and dancing around with the cheerleaders. They've broken that final tackle. I want you guys to understand, and I'm going to come back to this towards the end of the show when we have on our special guest, but I want to come to this theme that you understand if they want to go and knock on your door and arrest you, there's nothing stopping them. You know that. You look at the confluence, the convergence of COVID fascism and January 6th. And you understand COVID fascism established the principle that government could say you're a threat, there's an emergency, and there's quite literally no law we can't break, no human right we can't uh, abrogate, and uh, you have no right even to your own bodily autonomy. Facts don't matter. It could prima facie be proven that the opposite of what we're saying is true, that what we're calling as, you know, for the panacea to this ailment is really the ailment, and it won't matter. Nothing matters. That That's what was established. Then you move on to January 6th, and it was established that we could criminalize Your political views. That was the Reichstag moment. As we mentioned right at the time. I was one of the first people to draw that analogy. After January 6, 2021. That they needed that bogeyman. You see? This is what happens when you believe elections were stolen. This is what happens when you don't follow the science. You're a threat to to other people. So until now, it's just been... People associated with the Capitol. But even then, it's people that literally didn't commit a crime often. But there is quite literally nothing stopping them from knocking on our doors. And arresting us for simply having political views. Because they're already doing that connected to January 6th. So they'll just do it divorced of that. What are we going to do to build a movement to prevent that from happening. And in order to answer that question. I'm going to take a long time to answer that. I'm going to start. With another big issue. That needs to be dealt with. And it ties into. Everything that's important. And that is there are 60,000. Guardsmen. That are under threat of losing their job. For not getting a jab. That. That. We now know even uh, Marty Macri wrote a column everyone was talking about yesterday, and he's one of the more like controlled opposition types. And he wrote, the the public has no idea... Uh, he quoted from an FDA official, the public has no idea how bad this data really is. It would not pass muster for any other authorization. This is Marty Macri saying this from an unnamed FDA staffer. Now, mind you, Macri is always the type that he's always a day late. So again, when it was the mask, then it was okay for him to say lockdown was a problem. When it, when, it, when it was the shots, then the mask's a problem. And now it's okay, the children's shots a problem. But again, as we well know, it's the same thing for, for, for the other people as well. But the point is even he's saying that now. And yet this is being pushed on our service members and there's no opposition. And what embodies this, this lack of focus, is that last night or yesterday, the House passed the National Defense Authorization Act. Another $840 billion for supposed defense. More than $50 billion more than Biden even asked for. It funds the woke and broke military. It funds everything we've been talking about. We have a recruitment crisis, and it funds the clot shop mandate. Only 62 Republicans voted no, so here you have the most conservative House caucus ever, which is probably is conservative. You know what that word means now? Meaningless. And yet, we couldn't even get a third of the GOP House, which is light years better than the GOP Senate. While they're in the minority and generally vote against things, because it's easier to be righteous in the minority, and they funded inflation, they funded wokeness, and they funded the clot mandate in one of their only pieces of leverage. Now, I know, technically, even if they all would have opposed it, Democrats still control the House, but that's not the case in the Senate, where they could filibuster it, and Republicans could have built that momentum, but nothing, this is what I mean. What are we doing about that? This is going to happen when they're in the ma- in the majority too, and you're gonna be ha- you're gonna have these like top ten, top twenty radio shows. Yeah, look at Biden. And man, meanwhile, like, hey, your guys that you have influence over, and you could have raised Cain over this last few weeks. Do you know they just voted for the same thing? I, I feel just it's so bizarre. I can't think of a worse thing than destroying our military over a poison shot, a sterilizing shot, a negative effective shot, that it it literally does the opposite. Okay, so if you're worried about the pandemic, it, it perpetuates it. Why is nobody asking why the pandemic is worse than it's ever been, at least at a case level? smack in middle of the summer, off-season, two and a half freaking years into this. Even the, even the Spanish flu went away by that point. What's up with that? And I think we know the answer to that. But this is my point. Nobody is focusing on what matters. By the way, do you know in Germany, in 2021, there was an 11% increase in stillbirths over the previous three-year average. Okay? What is up with that? You can find this everywhere. Now, by the way, on this NDAA bill, they had another amendment they voted for. It was the Adam Smith Amendment. It was roll call vote 334. And it basically gave amnesty, allows the children of the high-tech, which are in high-tech, workers to stay in the country. You know what is destroying our sovereignty. We've talked about this a few years ago. The tech workers, this whole business of giving the World Economic Forum, Bill Gates, control over outsourcing American jobs, gerrymandering out Americans out of entire industries on our own soil. And there's a lot of problems with trade theft with this. Just literally outsourcing entire industries. Tech and banking and nursing. They just passed another one of those provisions. And, uh, you know, like 60 or so Republicans joined the Democrats. By the way, Flores, the big hero, the new Republican we're all celebrating from the Rio Grande Valley, voted for it. I mean, see, this is the joke. We're all into the tapestries. Look at this pretty Latina conservative and, and i'm like that, that that's great but like did you ever brief her on the issues or do the issues not matter is this all superficial am i the only one who cares it's just bizarre now you sure as hell can't count on republicans to deal with inflation because they caused inflation and to this day refuse to admit the culprit of it but you could take your own destiny in your own hands and save money with upside Quite literally, there is no downside to using Upside, our newest sponsor. Upside is an app you download anywhere you get an app, and anytime you go to a grocery store, or a restaurant, or gas station, that you're that that's affiliated with it. So you click on it, see which gas stations they're affiliated with. I just w- went recently to Sunoco, and. I was able to save, you're able to save forty fifty cents per gallon. You get cash back. So you register, you download the receipt or upload the receipt there, and boom, you're good to go. You register with them. And then to get started, here's the thing. If you download this free Upside app today, wherever you get your app, App Store, Google Play, whatever, use my promo code CONSERVATIVE and get $5 off or more cash back on your first purchase of $10 or more. Free five bucks there. So that's straight off. And then in order to claim the cash back on all of your purchases, you just check in um, at the business, pay as usual with a credit or debit card, and you get paid. So nowadays, you get very little cash back on your credit cards. This is much better and you can cash out anytime either you put in your bank account, PayPal, e-gift card or or anything like that. They have 4.8 star rating on the App Store so it works very well. It's so easy. Look, it's not going to get down the price of gas to where it should be but you can't beat free, right? So download the free Upside app. Use promo code CONSERVATIVE to get $5 or more cash back on your first purchase of $10 or more. That's $5 or more cash back on your first purchase of $10 or more using promo code CONSERVATIVE. So we had this NDAA that Republicans voted for and they're going to continue voting for. They are telling you what they're going to be like when they're in the majority. So that is the Republicans in Congress. Then there's the Republican governors. Okay? So... Granted, the Republican governors can't do anything about the active duty military. Now, obviously, what they should be doing is creating their own state guards, like the Florida governor did, as a landing place for the soldiers kicked out. Because that's ultimately what we need anyway, red state guards, for other reasons. And this is what I'm talking about, building for the future, how to prevent that day when they criminalize our views that's really what we need to be doing. But this gives them the perfect cover to do it. Okay, you're kicking my soldiers out. We're gonna create a state guard. But what about the National Guard? The last time I checked, and this is what I was busy with yesterday, just trying to call legislators and warn them about this. I said, why are you all assuming there's nothing you can do about this? The last time I checked, the governor has full control over the guard. He determines who gets kicked out, who gets disciplined. It's that simple. The chain of command goes through the governor, not the president. Nobody should be kicked out, taken off duty from the National Guard under the watch of an allegedly Republican governor. Now, they'll come back and say, there's always an excuse. You can never fight because then they'll react. Well... But then they're, they're saying that they're going to cut off their pay. They won't pay them for their, you know, once a month uh, drills that they go. They won't allow them to do the drills. They want to pay them. No, you allow them to do the drills. You control it. It's not the Pentagon down there on the ground in your state doing the National Guard drills. It's your adjunct general who works for you. And you, they don't get kicked out. Well, Daniel, the pay is federal. Well, how about taking your stinking surplus every state is flush with cash which by the way is a big reason why we have such inflation it's not normal how much money they have they're using it on juicing up their departments of education juicing up their departments of health harmful policies the first obligation is pay them promise to pay them now i'm not saying you have to be on the hook for the next 10 years but temporarily stop the bleeding don't Destroy their careers. Don't force them to get the shots. Say, look, we have you covered. You're not going to get kicked out. And if the feds deny you your benefits, for now, we're going to pay you. Oh, what about the retirement, Daniel? Wait, we're fighting it in court. Look, we had a federal ruling this week on the Air Force. Stop the, um, put an injunction on the clot shot mandate in the Air Force, at least for religious exemptions. Okay, while we fight it out in court, wait till next year. And by the way, Next year, our problems are solved, right? The Republicans are going to take over Congress. Now, you and I both know it's not going to be solved, but we're told it is going to be solved because the Republicans are going to take over Congress. So the clot shot mandate in the military should end, right? So why are the governors sitting by idly and allowing irrevocable harm, either losing their job or getting the shot to be done to their soldiers, their guardsmen? and they're like oh well it's it's nothing we can do it. it's federal and that's how they get their retirement dude wait until you get the republican congress but for the next you know in few months the remainder of the year pay for it out of that stupid surplus you have and again you're not just a vote you're a voice get together all the governors together hold a press conference on all the data the science the safety the immorality of this For goodness sakes, you're fighting a guy with a freaking 15%, 20% approval rating in most of your states. He's a dead carcass. You'll never get a better opponent and a better issue through which to fight him. Dang it, but then he's going to cut off funding to the guard. Let him do that. Pick that fight. I guarantee you if you pick that fight, he'll probably back down. This is what's wrong. They always give excuses. And again, imagine if simultaneously you had the federal Republicans fighting the issue on the NDAA and then the governors fighting it with the National Guard and saying, we're going to discipline any uh, you know, any commander within the Guard that pressures someone to get a shot. We're going to pay our guardsmen. We'll give them a pay increase. Nobody thinks along these lines. No other phony conservative talk show host that claims to have big followings Calls these type of plays, puts the pressure on them. And that, my friends, is why I was banned from Twitter. Because I will give the apply the forced pressure. That concentrated pressure exactly where it matters. No one else is doing that. And that's why I'm such a threat to the system. They want you to just mosey along, talking points oh, this, it's always a talking point on an issue that Republicans and conservatives went along with, and now that they went along with it, the damage is so severe, it requires an even greater response that they're not calling for. They're just complaining about it to score more cheap points. And then, of course, never building for the future. And this is where I'm tying together the NDAA, the military mandate, to what I mean by building for the future. Any strategic movement that cared about liberty, that cared about what was right, you know what they'd be focusing on? Creation of state militias and county militias. Now, again, what I mean by militias, you're not going to be able to start your own. The FBI will be all over you, even though I believe you have the right to do that, but states certainly do. And I would organize... State guards, and I would organize county sheriff posses. And we're going to talk about that with our guest coming up. But county sheriff's posses, where you work together with law enforcement. Why do we need that? Because if we wait much longer, we won't have the ability to do that. And then there will be quite literally nothing to save us. Nothing. You saw what happened in Canada during the trucker protests. There were no civil rights. Okay? This is, it's not a question of if, but when this is coming to America. You know, this is another one of, um... American greatness is stories. They do a great job in the January 6th stuff. It's not Julie Kelly. It's Deborah Heine. A federal judge has sentenced a 69 year old Idaho grandmother and cancer patient to two months behind bars for parading in the Capitol. A misdemeanor. Pam Hemphill pleaded guilty in January to one count of demonstrating picketing or parading in the Capitol building. The diminutive senior was photographed inside the Capitol. That's all. She was just there former drug and alcohol counselor, flew to Washington from Idaho after sentencing. Senior U.S. District Judge Royce Lamberth, a Reagan appointee, flatly told Hemphill that she will be serving time behind bars. Um. And that is the story with her. And, and usually people like that don't do too well in prison. She literally did nothing there. It is the people's house she didn't steal anything she didn't break anything i cannot tell you how many times i was personally in the house during immigration debates and you would have illegal aliens parade around defecate on office floors so they would come into the actual offices defecate on the floors vandalize shout down intimidate disrupt and this woman wasn't doing any of that that was all good it was all good Not a single person ever served time and was ever even arrested. Or maybe sometimes, you know, if they were just really disrupting, they were detained and then brought outside. I'm just telling you, folks, you know I'm not wrong about this. We are reaching the point when you are going to have to build for that future, and that time is now. What are you going to do when the FBI comes knocking and says, you're a threat because you're opposing Pfizer? Or whatever other policy is going on. Daniel, that can't happen in America. You better believe it can. And that is the difference between me and these other guys. They're still stuck on that old paradigm. I'll be honest with you. I wasn't so worried about the privacy stuff. The government will come after you. I viewed America as more in decline. Um, licentious. The values were corrupted. Hedonistic. Profligate. Spending us into oblivion, corrupt pay for play, but more or less we were able to do what we wanted to. If we that all changed the last few years, if we don't realize that, shame on us. And to me, the most important thing is building up state guards. Well, you got to walk before you run, but what we eventually need to have is a situation like this where a guy like the Florida governor could say, If you send down federal agents to this state to arrest people for crimes that are clearly politically motivated, that they're not alleged to have committed any meaningful crime, any physical meaningful crime, here's the deal. Here's the deal. You, my friends, will be arrested by the state guard. We will hunt you down like you hunt them down. And then likewise, at the local level, if they get into that area, my dream is how do we get a county we only need a few where we could where someone like me could could flee to you know if they come after me and say, hey, you know I don't like what you're saying about Pfizer I could go to this county and say and and, and we'll have the sheriff a sheriff's posse so the people have that synergistic relationship with law enforcement the county officials, the county judge, county prosecutor standing by that door and telling the FBI you will not take this person into custody. I promise you, we will need that. Are we going to do it while we still can, or are are we going to wait until we can't? That is the spirit of the American Revolution. That's the reality. I don't know what to tell you guys. I could sit and dance in the end zone of an election that's just meaningless. We need to make a list of legislative items for this coming session in all these states. But county issues as well, counties are usually always in session. What is it we're going to do on crime, on illegal immigration, on freedoms, on privacy, medical freedom, tracking? You no, know, medical freedom, I'm going to come out with my list than I had before. The grooming. Federal control. And by the way, I know, again, I I differ from a lot of people. A lot of my friends in the legislatures, they're all into cutting taxes with the surplus money they have. I don't think that's where it's at. I actually think that states need more revenue. Ideally, they wouldn't. But in the time we live in, the, the biggest impediment to making red states red is their reliance on the federal government. And that's where they control everything. And this is what we're talking about with the National Guard. It always gets back to the money. So I would rather spend money building up the state. Now, obviously, most of you in red states, your government is part of the problem. So they're not red. First, you have to make it red. But if you did, I would actually spend it more. Like if I were the Florida governor, I wouldn't spend it more on tax cuts. I'd spend it on things that will help in the long run interposing against the feds. Yeah, ideally we wouldn't want to make any thing any aspect of government stronger. But we have no choice. That is the only option. I challenge you to find another option aside for the doctrine of least magistrate. How you're going to fight back in any realistic way. I mean there's the privacy issues too. We need to criminalize any government tracking. And give a private cause of action for anyone who's a victim of it. Any person who is not has not committed a crime, there's not reasonable suspicion they committed a crime, the government cannot monitor and track your activities and certainly your health activities. This is, everything that's happening in China is already happening to some degree here. And it will happen fully. Remember... It's gaslighting. The lockdowns began in China. They signal to the world. This is from the UK Guardian. Hong Kong to electronically tag COVID patients as it adopts China's health, co- health code system. Again, literally just like, uh, like, like groceries at a store. Hong Kong will mandate electronic tracking bracelets for people in home isolation and bring in a China-style electronic health code system as part of the fresh measures to curb the spread of the coronavirus the quarantine bracelets to be introduced on friday will be mandatory for people who have tested positive and are quarantining at home we have to make sure that home isolation is more precise while being humane lo chung mao the city's new health secretary said announcing the new requirement on monday breaching a mandatory quarantine order carries a fine of up to uh the equivalent of thirty two hundred dollars and up to six months in jail We are the next Hong Kong. And again, we need to fight this, but we need to recognize that you don't even have to go to this degree of severity. They're tracking us. That tracking, we need to get to the bottom of this, and this is what we need to do with state commissions. We need federal hearings when Republicans take over Congress and demand, but then demand action on it. (laughs) To what extent are they tracking our health? What are they using? How are they doing it? Who are they using? And it needs to be stopped. It needs to be criminalized. We need a private cause of action to sue against it. Down the line, these are the action items we need. This is already, all of this is already happening. Just like, you know, if I say, oh man, one day they're going to arrest you for not having committed a crime. Well, it's already happening on, a, on the January 6th scale. And then they're just going to expand out from there. That's the thing, you don't even have to, this is not a science fiction movie. This is not 1984 in the year 1948. We're already past the precipice. doesn't take a profit of woe and lamentation to warn you about this. You know it's happening. And yet, you know, this is how it is. So I don't know what to tell you guys. I don't know what to tell you guys, but our time is limited. The work, the workload is hefty and time is running out. And again, who on the right, the supposed right, is giving you this sense of urgency? I mean, even the mask stuff. And notice how we can never repudiate something. No matter how illogical, illegal, inhumane, immoral, and debunked 50 times over. It's coming back in a lot of cities. Okay? So certainly if they had a greater degree of pressure in the winter and panic, it would come back in more places than just L.A. The point is we we have failed... To prohibit and criminalize this behavior. We have failed to do what it takes. In, in any sphere of this. Fight back while you still can my friends. So folks I wanted to continue this discussion. With our guest Sheriff Mark Lamb. And you know what I wanted to say is. We have this reflex, reflexive refrain. Bromide. Slogan. Back the blue. And I really think a lot of conservatives are off-message, and it needs to be fine-tuned. The biggest threat we have today between that pendulum of anarchy on one side and tyranny on the other side is tyranny, right? I mean, the anarchy, we're going to suffer anyway because we have anarcho-tyranny because we have a strong-armed government instituted by the COVID fascist revolution Um, that allowed the greatest invasion of our border of all time, the greatest burning down of our cities of all time. So again, you're not going to benefit from the security part of the authoritarian nature of our current government. So if you're going to just reflexively say, let's fund more police, police good, law enforcement good, that's off the mark. We, We appreciate and like most people that work in law enforcement, But the reality is, if there is going to be tyranny, and it's it's not if, it's when, if they're going to go and arrest people for holding political views when they say, DHS says that we are the number one terrorist threat and they mean it, well, guess what? Guess what? How do you think they're going to affect their policies? It's going to be with some form of law enforcement. I mean, I think we are all very disappointed— Certainly internationally, but even in America, watching how law enforcement quelled um, peaceful protests throughout Canada and Europe. They roughed people up, even in America, uh, during the peak of the lockdowns. We've seen way too much of that. It has been very disappointing. And, and they're no different from any other profession, from science and medicine, where people are just too scared to say no. No to stand up for what is right. And I think we understand this is a problem across all disciplines, but it's the most devastating in law enforcement because ultimately that is what is going to be the enforcement mechanism of tyranny. How do we balance this in a more nuanced way? How do we approach law enforcement in a smarter way? Well, the reason why I'm bringing on Sheriff Lamb is because I've been talking about this ad nauseum. I really believe strongly in this concept of a sheriff's posse where you integrate the community with the police so you have that seamless relationship where you're obviously working together to thwart threats you know if you're near the border on illegal immigration if it's if there's rioting to deal with that but to also understand that you're there to protect and defend the constitution and that you're there to protect liberty and part of the problem is when you have anarchy and you have you know robbers and and bandits well that that harms liberty right you're protecting liberty but if you have for example the federal government saying if you're a conservative you're a threat and we're gonna go after you well that certainly harms liberty and you need that relationship to eventually create what we need to create is in san francisco you had a sanctuary county right for illegal aliens including even criminal alien sex offenders Well, we certainly need our version of a sanctuary for constitutional rights of Americans that they don't get infringed upon. So Sheriff Lamb started last year this program of a sheriff's posse. And I feel it's so important to learn from that that I want to bring him back here today to discuss this and much more. Sheriff Lamb, thanks so much for joining us early in the morning your time today.
0: Oh, my pleasure. Thanks for having me on, Daniel.
1: righty. So there's a lot, obviously, to digest here. Um, do you share my concern that we've seen a lot of strong-armed um, enforcement from various forms of law enforcement, often international in the era we live in, in that law enforcement has moved away from from doing what's just and right to more... Hey, we are going to follow orders no matter what.
0: Yeah, I mean, I've done some videos where I've said to law enforcement, hey, don't be afraid to say no. Like, I'm, the, only re, the only way that uh, a tyrannical government can really impose their will is with the complicity of local law enforcement throughout the country. And so I have been very vocalist to say, look, don't be afraid to stand up for what against what you know is wrong and stand up for the people. I was a little concerned, you know, nationwide you would see people getting arrested for not wearing a mask or not having a vaccine or a, or a child being kicked out of a restaurant because they didn't have a vaccination card. Like those things to me are very concerning. And um, I think that's what that perpetuates the problem and allows this, you know, these tyrannical ideas these ideas that are contrary to the american foundation to be pervasive in our society and that's what i've always stood up against and so yeah I i guess i do share that same concern and i've i've tried to do what i can right here i've always i'm a big believer in you focus on what you have control over and you know i have control over right here in my county and that's what i try to focus on
1: sure so in pinal county you set up the sheriff's posse Last year, or you know, you start on it. COVID disrupted it a little bit. What, where does it stand now? What do you hope to do with it, and how could we expand this idea across the nation?
0: Yeah. So what we did is we already had a patrol policy. We've got citizens on patrol, but I just, with everything going on um, in 2020, with the riots and looting and everything that was happening. Um, people were just getting more and more uneasy. They just didn't feel – they kept saying, Sheriff, what can we do? So we started a civilian's posse, which is well within my constitutional right as a sheriff that I can establish a posse. And so I thought it was important to educate the people. And really, you know, even the, the critics of it, I said, why don't you just come to the class and you tell me what you think? And so I had people from the NAACP, the ACLU and and what we did was we educated people we actually have a three uh a virtual simulator which is a virtual simulator 360 and we can put people through scenarios and we would run them through scenarios just to see how difficult it is to make the split second decisions that police have to make and uh, we taught them constitutional law i mean obviously we were limited on the time but we did what we could to give them as much information And make them feel part of the solution as opposed to being frustrated with what was going on. And uh, when we put it out, we had 3,500 people sign up. In like two weeks, we had to actually shut down the portal because we were getting so many people signing up for it.
1: I mean, this is something I really think the better state legislatures need to help fund um, this program. I love the way you said it. Be part of the solution. And obviously, you know, that was brought on during the time of the rioting and looting, but I think, Sheriff, you'd agree with me that there's another form of rioting and looting, and you know, I I don't know if you've seen some of the new uh, videos of Ray Epps at the Capitol, um, but we now know between the Capitol and the Whitmer kidnapping plot in Michigan out of the FBI office there, um, they're doing a lot of gamesmanship and federal law enforcement, um, and you know, you might even call it rioting and looting, and my concern is that's a little bit, you know, even more concerning because at the end of the day, BLM and and Antifa they could get pretty violent, but they don't have an, a monopoly on violence. Um, government does. I mean, because they they're they're the judge, jury, and executioner, and ultimately they have control. And where do you see down the road this scenario where you have community policing, where the you have a patrol posse that you're all together? And you have this doomsday scenario, which is not too far off, um, where they say, you know, anyone who believes, who doesn't believe in Fauci science or that the election was fair, um, we're going to knock on their door. I'm saying this is something I doubt you thought about when you got into law enforcement decades ago. But now I think we do have to prepare for that. What happens when they knock on – doors of citizens in your county that you know did not commit a real crime and you and you know completely it's a political persecution where does local law enforcement and perhaps this idea fit in
0: well i think that's how important your sheriff is you know your sheriff has the ability to put a stop to that and at least uh, uh you know protect the people so and that's what my goal is. My goal has always been to protect the people. When I decided to become the sheriff or run for sheriff, it was under, uh, I made that decision to do that under President uh, Obama. I didn't like the direction of the country. I thought they were undermining the rule of law, um, carrying away at, you know, what made this country great. And I could see them flipping the script on the law enforcement. And so I decided to. Like I said before, be part of the solution, not the problem. So I ran for sheriff, had no idea how to do it. Um, And now I'm just trying to do the best I can to protect the people. I didn't swear an oath to any, any government organization. I swore an oath to the Constitution of the United States and to protect the people and their constitutional rights. And that's what I do. And you know what's crazy is people will say, oh, he's a constitutionalist. I swore the same oath more or less than every politician in this country. We all took an oath to protect and defend the Constitution of the United States. And it's sad to me that they're not asking them why they're not upholding their oath and their, uh, uh, to protect the Constitution. So um, I know I kind of went off tangent, but going back to just put a bow on it, um, sheriffs are your people. We, we work for the people and the people alone. I don't work for the president. I don't work for, work for the governor. I work for the people of my county and there's power in that. And my, I've been authorized by them to protect them and to protect them from overreach.
1: I mean, I think you would agree that if, a, you know, a carjacker or something comes up to someone and says, you know, your money or your life, or a federal agent comes up to someone and says, hey, um, you know, I don't like what you've been doing lately. Okay, so it, aren't both of those conceivably threats to the constitutional c- order and the constitutional rights?
0: Oh, definitely. I mean, I could see a world, especially the way we're going now with this administration, a world in which, you know, this administration has lo- government, federal law enforcement doing their bidding, enforcing their policies and Could I see it? Do I want it to ever get to where they go door to door to do something like that? No, absolutely not. Um, Could I see it happening? Sure. History tells you that it can. And I think if you're not a student of history, you know, the old saying, if you don't know history, you're doomed to repeat it. And so we can't say that that's that's not possible. But I think that what we do is my goal is, Let's stand up as, and educate our citizens. Let's be active in our communities. And the government will have a lot harder time um, uh, overstepping their bounds when, when not just law enforcement understands the importance of protecting the Constitution, but the citizens are lockstep with you in that.
1: No, absolutely. And I want to extrapolate a little bit on how to – you know, broadcast your idea a little bit more widely how to get this synergistic alliance uh, between the people and local law enforcement and then allied sheriffs working together. Because obviously, the National Sheriffs Association, you know, represents all 3,000 and it's, you know, we're too divided of a country. You got to start with a core. But I first want to define the scope of the concern. Could you share with the audience? Um, What you're hearing, because obviously sheriffs communicate a lot with the feds. You get the briefings on security threats, terrorism threats. Describe the priorities for DHS and why some of my premonitions aren't so far off.
0: Yeah, you know, we were at a sheriff's conference uh, maybe three, four weeks ago. And we had one of the chiefs up there talking on Zoom about the... Uh, the importance, the priorities for DHS, which is Department of Homeland Security. And he starts talking about how their primary threat, their primary focus is on domestic violence, terrorism, domestic violence threats. And he starts going down. I don't think January 6th was an issue. And, and look, I'm I'm not quoting verbatim, so I'm just kind of, so please don't hold me to that. Um Talked about the election results and all these different things, and so, I mean, I, I questioned him on it. I just said, "Look, everything you described is basically anybody who believes contrary to this administration now you are potentially deeming it as, as a threat to this country." And I just asked him, like, "What about the three hundred thousand people crossing over the border every month? What about?" The, the the unprecedented amounts of fentanyl which is the leading cause of death by the way amongst americans 18 to 45 kills has killed over 100,000 americans every year um and we ex- expect that number to increase i said how is this not your threat how are the american people your threat and i basically just said look i have a real issue with this so i'm sure i'm at the top of somebody's list now for uh, bucking the system but you know, I don't work for them. I work for the people, and I found it to be very concerning um, what their priorities are in DHS, and, and I think it's important that the American people understand that what their priorities are.
1: Well, that that's a big deal, because you're telling me at a time of unprecedented border invasion, which is really why we have a Department of Homeland Security, you have obviously the drugs, you have the most ubiquitous Antifa... BLM problems, and even if BLM kind of died down a little bit in terms of its kinetic action, but you certainly have, I mean, with the Supreme Court threats, I mean, that is very actionable, very live. There was one that was real, an assassination attempt, and that's not their focus, and this is their focus. That is very concerning, because that tells you, the juxtaposition there, that's not just like a misguided view or something or myopic view. That that's political persecution, and that means that that day when they could start knocking on your door if you did no crime, which actually is happening, but it's they're 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 neatly wrapping it around Jenny, any, anyone who was at the Capitol at least, which of course isn't necessarily a crime, um, or if it is, it certainly doesn't, you know, it's not proportionate with what we've typically done throughout history. I was telling my audience we've had illegal aliens defecate. Um, on the floor in in Capitol Hill offices, all the stuff they used to do in disruptions, and they were never arrested and thrown into jail for that um, and certainly sentenced to prison for that. And uh, yet, you know, people just merely walked in or whatever. I mean, this is very concerning, and I feel like you said you can't really have tyranny if local law enforcement is doing their job. So how do we work together? Do we create a network of sheriffs? I mean, I'm willing to create a whip list, and you get even 10, 15, 20 to say, look, we're going to be constitutional sanctuaries, people that violate the law and harm other people. You know, we're going to come down on them. But at the same time, those that try to take away constitutional rights from people, you know, whoever they are, we're going to we're going to defend and protect them as well.
0: Well, we already have that daniel we started uh i started a group of sheriffs called protect america now and that sheriff standing up for the rule of law standing against bad policies and standing up for the constitutional rights of the people and we've been able to get more and more support you know um we don't want to be a partisan thing we're not trying to be a partisan thing we're just trying to be sheriffs that stand up for what's right um, unfortunately the way this administration is It makes everything political, and so it makes it look like you're taking a political stance. But standing up for the Constitution should not be a political issue. That should be a a bipartisan issue is protecting people's rights and standing up for the rule of law. You know, when somebody calls 911, we don't ask what your political affiliation is before we respond. We just respond. As a matter of fact, it's not on any questions of any criminal uh, records or anything. So that doesn't matter. To us, what matters is protecting the people. So we started this group, and hopefully your listeners will come to ProtectAmericaNow.com, see what we're doing, support us, we're allowing civilians to support us, and then we're just trying to get as many sheriffs on board as we can to where we have some strength in numbers to stand up for what's right.
1: Is there a way to expand the sheriff's policy idea to other counties?
0: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, that's something that we would love to see expanded. Now, everybody's constitution is a little bit different. Arizona's constitution absolutely allows for that. Um, I don't know what every other state's constitution allows them to do. And that would have to be something that we would look, but we are open and we've talked to them about helping them establish themselves as sanctuary counties. If they want to do that, establish themselves, you know, a, a civilian's posse. Um, some of them may have something similar. They may call it like a citizen's Academy or something. Um, But we are really just trying to in the Constitution of the state of Arizona, it says that the sheriff's job is to suppress any affrays, insurrections, crimes that come to my attention. But it also says that I can command as many inhabitants of the county as I deem necessary above and beyond specific uh, clauses for the posse. So that's why, you know, and it's not just about insurrections or or. Or uh, riots or any of that. You know what? If you have a fire or a flood, I don't have the resources to be able to to do so. You know, you got to be able to call on your citizens to help sure. you. And that was the thought process: is let's let's let our citizens know what our capabilities are, our limitations are, and and how we can work together and have a list of citizens that we can call up and say, "Hey, we need your help."
1: They sure as heck could have used that in Uvalde, from what we're seeing.
0: Yeah, that's such a tragic situation. You know, I don't like to knock anything, and I, I, there's a lot to be learned in every situation, and clearly there's going to be a lot to be learned there as well.
1: Yeah, no, I mean, that's that's the thing. I mean, whatever they did or didn't do, but clearly, I mean, that type of scenario where you could call upon, um, especially if you're in a small area, don't have so many deputies, you call upon people to react, and you have a bad guy going there, and you react, you 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 neutralize the threat as quickly as you can, um, but this is really, I mean, I want to walk you through a scenario here and, and let me know what you think. Um, you know, we, we read the Declaration of Independence and we talk about a tyrannical government train of use of, of, uh, train of usurpations and we read it like poetry, you know, like it doesn't mean anything, but at some point, you know, that has to mean something and, you know, it's gotta be a long train of usurpations and it's not for transient and light causes, But walk me through this. Let's say they create, I don't know, monkeypox, horsepox, whatever, you know, come the fall and into the winter, and they're already gearing up for it. And Biden declares a national lockdown. If you remember, one of the criticisms the Democrats had is that Trump didn't call for a national lockdown, so all the states kind of did their own thing, but most of them did bad things. But You know, I think if they were able to get away with it, they would. They would do a national lockdown. And they say, you can't open your business. Someone in Pinal County opens up his restaurant. You get word federal agents are coming to arrest the guy. What happens?
0: Well, first of all, that's not going to – I mean, we wouldn't allow that to happen because it's not a law unless Congress or Senate ratifies it as a law. And these guys can – they couldn't put two stones together right now. Um, What you're seeing is the trouble with what we're seeing in this country is the executive branch is legislating and the judicial branch is legislating from the bench. And that's why we're in the problems we're in. And legislature is not doing anything. They're not passing any laws because you've got the executive branch, not just the president, but local local uh, authorities passing mandates and orders, which are not laws. I have no uh, responsibility whatsoever to enforce a mandate or an order. Oh, and I know so, you have no
1: responsibility, I, but what happens if they go and enforce, try to enforce
0: it? We would stop them, you know, because they can't. They have no jurisdiction on that. They're not, and, and they weren't the ones doing that in the first place. What they're doing is they're telling local law enforcement, if you don't do this, if you don't go lockstep with us, then you're going to lose your funding. And so that's the only way that they have local law enforcement over the barrel is over funding, federal funding. And so I've told our county, look, we have to be prepared to lose any federal funding um, Mm. because we're not going to do what they're asking us to do. So we just have to be prepared to lose any federal funding and make our budgets work without it. And so that is where they really have everybody over the barrel is just federal funding. And so any local law enforcement agency can tell the government "Nah, we're not going to do that. And other than losing some federal funding, there's not much they can do.
1: I and they,
0: mean, have, they don't have the authority to come in and, and do that. They're not laws. They can't come in sure. and enforce mandates and orders. Um, and even laws, you know, I mean, there's not enough federal government to even protect our border. You think they're going to be able to go out and, and, and and do a bunch of harm to citizens. I mean, I'm not saying they can't, but that's going to be very hard. They don't have the staffing, and their own policies are ruining the staffing as it is.
1: They don't have the staffing if some other force confronts them. But if nobody confronts them, I mean, I think what we've seen with January 6th, they have a ton of agents that, again, it's not an overwhelming number of people. It's a person here, a person there, and that's how they start doing it. Um, but that's that's the thing. My my concern is how do we start a movement of local law enforcement that understand that they're the last line of defense for liberty, that, you know, you, you will well, reach a point where, you know, it's not going to stop itself on its own. We always say to ourselves, it's unlawful, it's unconstitutional. Well, everything they're doing is not more than statute. They literally make it up and we never stop them.
0: Well, now, I, I, to a point, I would agree, but I also disagree. I think there are many ways they are being stopped. Because if they if they had their way, trust me, this would have been much further along than they would have li- than they want, than than where it's at. So they are being stopped. You know, I think a lot of places are standing up to them and saying, "We're not going to allow that to happen." And da- Daniel, I apologize, but I'm going to have to jump off. I've got. Yep. Uh, about a minute well, or two minutes left. Well, well, thanks so
1: much. And again, Protect America Now is where people could go to find out more. Nail your sheriff on this. Make sure they subscribe to the Constitution. Thanks for joining us. We'll have you back later. Take care. So anyway, folks, that was Sheriff Mark Lamb. And I'll, I'll tell you, he, he mentioned to me over the phone that during that conversation he referenced with that DHS guy, um, You know, he was really the only one challenging him. And that really concerns me. That concerns me. How many other sheriffs are like that? Hey, you know, we're not doing that here. Um, there's no COVID stuff. There's not I many because, you know, Lem was saying from day one, we're not doing the mask thing here. How many are like that? And what we've learned throughout this era of just following orders that the same problem we had during the Nazi regime, we have today. Everyone is enforcing things on, on the next person. And this is the last line of defense. I want you to remember that. The only way you could have tyranny is with the complacence of local law enforcement. If you have local law enforcement together with the people in support of constitutional rights, there's very... Then I agree with what he's saying. You know, Then they're very limited. He is right in that sense. If not, if you're just an individual that they want to pick off, believe me, they'll get resources down there to arrest you. Okay? But if you, if you start having these constitutional sanctuaries, it will, they'll put an end to it. They'll put an end to it. So this is what we need to start building. You've got to look ahead of the curve. Sheriff's races are so important. If you have your own civic groups, your own you know strike force teams where you have groups of people, bring down the sheriff candidate and say, "Hey, don't just talk about crime. You know, that's a no-brainer. Okay, You don't want to source, you know, sheriff or something. But beyond that, okay, you're tough on crime, so you're going to go after the criminals. But what if the federal government says that we're criminals? Are you going to be so-called tough on crime too? And by the way, just related to this and tying everything back together, how we're not focused on the right issues, the GOP, there's an NBC News article. Senators are close to releasing a bill to stop candidates from stealing an election. Bipartisan group of senators has agreed on a series of provisions to reform the Electoral Count Act, a move aimed at clarifying the role of the vice president in Congress. So you see, Republicans are still agreeing to that premise of the left. That the problem wasn't the stolen election. It was the reaction to it. And that's how Republicans think of of COVID, too. The problem is not COVID and COVID fascism and what they did. The problem is our reaction to it. That's very scary. They're feeding into that narrative that that's the most important thing that needs to be done. Whatever the Democrats say is the issue, that's what Republicans indulge. Notice that pattern. Notice that hasn't changed. Ultimately, where the rubber meets the road is local law enforcement. Do you live in an area where you have worked out, where the people are red-pilled, the sheriff is red-pilled. The other officials are, and they'd work together to ensure that the Constitution is upheld. Just like you wouldn't want, like you would expect of a deep red county that you wouldn't be able to have, you know, BLM or Antifa come in there and start intimidating and threatening and beating people. Just because they wear a federal badge doesn't make them any any better if they were violating your, your rights. When you... you Again, the reason we have government and, by extension, law enforcement, like, why do you need any government? Well, the reason is because you can't have groups of people who are stronger than others beating them up, taking away their their liberty. That's ultimately what you're doing. But the problem is the founders always knew, and this is what they were trying to balance, is, well, the government itself, you, you give them all the authority and resources. Well, they could be the worst mob of all if you don't properly check that and balance that and this is where we're at with the current federal government we have and I challenge all of you to divulge a solution because again we don't need to imagine this it's already happening it's already happening I mean it happened with COVID fascism that was mainly state and sometimes local did it Um, where they were arrested for opening a business we saw that The COVID stuff, and we saw it with, um, obviously, January 6th. And, you know, I forgot about this, but Mark was referencing New York City, the NYPD. They were enforcing the passports in, in the restaurants, kicking kids out. We saw that. That's not a good look at law enforcement. How do we change that? So this is one idea, as always. I have a lot of ideas. They're not all good ideas. But there are ideas, and some of them inevitably are good, and I think this one is a good one. Sheriff's posse idea. Talk to your um, sheriff on this, and this is something I think we need to fund at a state level. If they're not willing to fund the state guard, but I think think we need both for various reasons. But this is how you have state militias. They're really going to be county militias. Trained by the county sheriff. County militias. This is where we need to go. Let me know your thoughts, questions, and concerns. Daniel Hurowitz at StartMail.com is the email. Um, I do have a Telegram channel. I will be using more C-19 Truth Bombs. Okay, I think I might have told you the wrong thing because I'm horrible at this. C-19 Truth Bombs. I'm still on Getter. Daniel underscore Hurwitz. Um, You could also follow the CR Twitter handle. It's just simply CRs and conservative review. Hope you guys have a terrific and restful week. We'll be back same time, same place on Monday. God bless y'all. And thank you for listening.